We are here live from Arizona in the house that Underdog Fantasy built. Super Bowl weekend. Don't ask us why we're in Arizona, but we're here. I'm joined by my good friends, Brett Coleman, Mason Dodd over here. They need no introduction, but you guys need an introduction to the rookie wide receiver class. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to rip through probably the most popular prospects in the class. This is a really good, really fun, really unique class and give them comps to current NFL players. I think it could be a little bit overwhelming for people getting into a new class. And I think uh, giving them comps of player styles, things like that help to uh, ingrain them in the brain. And then they kind of work from there. And you've done a lot of work with the rookie wide receiver class. You've already filmed like 30 videos in the desert, in the pool. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Brett's channel because he's doing incredible X's and O's and breakdowns of uh, basically everybody in the rookie class defense offense. Mason's doing awesome stuff with both dynasty and redraft fantasy football. Both of their channels will be linked down below i think we start off with no one other than marvin harrison jr mm. um he is the consensus 101 of the wide receivers in this class he is apparently just the most elite of the elite wide receiver prospects he almost feels like and looking in hindsight maybe a bad comparison but Bijan robinson of last year where it was almost like is there a point to watching the tape because he's going to be the top one off the class everyone likes him more than everybody else in the class obviously jameer gibbs is a stud but is that what we're looking at with marvin harrison this year do you see any real flaws any real uh downsides to his game he's going to be a top five pick is there anything that could go wrong with marv and his career goes down the hill that way with him specifically, no. With where he ends up, possibly, right? Because if he goes to New England, I felt like a subtweet at New England for sure, right? And it, but but they don't take a quarterback on day two that we think is better than Mac Jones. Then it's Mac Jones throw to Marv, and that is a net negative on Marv's career outlook, right? Mm -hmm. um, as a talent, though, and Mason, feel free to disagree. AJ Green vibes, like I feel like you're just getting AJ Green off the jump. He's and six it, four. 205 to 210 is where he floated around for playing weight. Great ball skills. Unreal, like everywhere. He's He doesn't really have a true – like you can nitpick some things. There's not like a true weakness, and it was kind of like AJ when AJ was coming out. He went in the top five, was immediate producer, became an all-pro caliber. Like that's that's what you're getting is, is that kind of guy. The only question is uh, – and it was it's actually kind of funny because since he did the same thing, they took the receiver first, and then they took Andy in the second round. Andy Dalton in the second round, that same draft. Yeah. And Andy worked out. What a fucking hit by them but class. like do you trust new england to do the same thing with like a spencer rattler or something could they make a play for a veteran like russ possibly like i wouldn't be surprised is marv good enough for a veteran like russ like because right now any veteran they pursue it's like what pitch do they have for that veteran bring in a marv maybe they're thinking a little differently the thing with with russ and marv is russ Russ is the exact type of quarterback that Marv thrives with because he throws deep outside the numbers constantly and will throw 50-50 balls and give Marv a chance, and he'll pay that off. So, like, I could see him having a similar type of season to, like, say, Cortland Sutton. Yeah, right. Makes sense. But as Russ gets older, last year's Cortland Sutton season is, like, the max that you would expect. Yeah. And you know that there's so much more there. So it, yeah. it's tough. I mean, as a prospect, Marv's like the total package. And you'll see that's a constant theme in this year's class is like everyone's 6'2 to 6'4. Everyone's 200 pounds. Everyone's fast twitch. Everyone's quick. They have their flaws, obviously. But I, I can't remember really, you know, hindsight, it's easy to look back and be like, wow, this class was great. That class was great. But like pure prospect wise, these guys are as fun as like any of the top, you know, five, eight, ten receivers that I've really looked at in terms of like the uniqueness of their game right now. He's your one-on-one for rookie yeah, receivers. Uh, essentially, everyone in this class is built like Nick, pretty much. <laughs> is that how we can put it? Get out of the pool. Get out of the pool and embarrass me right now. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think he has to be one on one. I think it comes down to like where do you rank him in among like other wide receivers in Dynasty? Because I think you have Everson Chase, um, Lamb ahead of him, but then he's like right there with the Monroe St. Brown already. For sure. I think he'll I think uh, a lot of people will take him at the back end of the first round in Dynasty startups. Yeah. He'll be in that like one nine to you know two oh two range and probably not the latter part of that one. Uh so we'll move on to the next receiver who I have as my two. I think people have gone back and forth between Malik and Rome of Washington, Malik of LSU. Uh Malik's my two. I think realistically the only flaw in his game, he's another one with the size, with the speed. He could play inside, outside. Uh, we got a DJ going on, so apologies in the background right now. They're excited about Malik Neighbors. Is Malik your two in this class? And can you give a, a little bit more of like a physical breakdown of what you see from Malik? Malik is my two, but I, I understand why people would have Odunze as their two. They're, they're kind of different players. I think Malik is is a better field stretcher. Uh, physically, he reminds me of Odell okay. in terms of how quickly like he can get up to speed. Like the, the vertical burst is just unreal. His feet are super quick. He didn't have the same route tree as Odunze, who was asked to run everything at yeah. all areas of the field. But that's mainly just because Malik was so good as a vertical threat. Like, why would you want him doing anything else? So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But I I could see Malik going as high as like five to the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, it should be a perfect fit. And like, if you look at him analytically, he's the youngest wide receiver in the draft class. He was a pretty much the most productive if you're looking at yards per route run he played alongside another guy who's going to go round one in the nfl draft mm -hmm. so he had like top competition more productive than pretty much anybody else at a younger age than anybody else going to get the draft capital just another guy that checks literally every single box yeah and yeah. what makes me most excited i think about is like what he does with the ball in his hands he when you watch him play you get a lot of like the aj brown feel where it's like you get the ball in his hands and first guy's not taking him down be lucky if the second guy's taking him down i think he averaged like 0.3 missed tackles forced per reception, which was amongst the top in the class. It was the guys like Malachi, I think, who might have ranked a little bit higher because the natural progression of all those screens will obviously lead to that. But he is, like, unbelievable with the ball in his hands. I will say the only um, the only downside, realistically, was he's a little bit iffy in contested catches situation, especially when you compare him to, like, Rome. Rome is just, like, a monster. 80% contested catch rate right. on Odunze, which and, is insane. And, like, you do have to start comparing him because you're looking at, like, hey, these guys are all going top five, top six. It's like, we do have to kind of pick and piece where their strengths are, where it's like, you know, just segueing right into Rome. Rome, when I'm watching him, is like, for me, I, a lot of people talk about his separation skills. He reminded me a little bit more of like a Jamar Chase type or like a Mari Cooper type, where I'm not, I'm not really necessarily blown by his, uh, blown away by his separation, but he could separate kind of anywhere. Like when the ball's in the air, there are different points of separation when you're a wide receiver and he can hit every level of the field. He can get it all done. And the contested catch is just like unbelievable when you're watching him play. He's bigger Keenan Allen to me. And, and Keenan, like people don't give Keenan credit for how big he is. He's like six two, you know, two oh eight, which is not small, right? That's that's pretty that's pretty solidly built. And Odunze is even better. He's like six three two twelve. I want to say is about his playing weight. And the, the thing that reminds me so much of Keenan is that he wins late in the route. Like I, obviously, guys like Neighbors can win early just with pure burst, but right. Odunze will win late. He will separate as the ball is getting there. Uh, he's a great route runner. Again, ridiculous contested catcher. Like eighty percent contested catch rate is that shouldn't even be possible like that is not normal it's but, like you look at guys who are like 55 you're like that's good and yeah it's like terry like, mclaurin's like 55 yeah right? you, you like conditional format on excel and everyone just turns red immediately because rome's bright fucking green on that sheet and he's again he's another guy in any other class he would be wide receiver one but he just happens to be in a class with marv and he also happens to be in a class with malik neighbors who is pretty much just another younger odell so it's like yeah it sucks but he's still great yeah
And if you look at like the trend of all three of the top guys in this class, they're all hyper productive and just like Neighbors and Harrison, he had top competition in Washington. There were two yeah. other wide receivers that are going to go top 100 in the NFL draft yep. in that same wide receiver room. You know, so you look at his production and you go, okay, that's impressive. But then you also consider the fact that he's going up against other NFL t- caliber wide receivers to get that production. And it puts it to even a, like a greater extent, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, the top three guys, they all, I mean, it's easy to say this, I guess, every year, but they feel like can't miss prospects at this point. Like any team will be super lucky to have them. I, I don't think they last the top 10 picks in the draft. It seems like you took all the running back talent in this class and Sad you just choose the wide receivers <laughs> with whatever it would be. Yeah, yeah. space jam the shit out of this class. Well, some of these guys in previous eras would have played running back, but because of seven on seven, they play receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew up catching 10,000 balls by the time they were 18. You know, so now they're receivers. Yeah. So number four, this is going to be a little fun because you and me both have him as our four right now, and you are a University of Texas guy. So we're going to need to get your take on A.D. Mitchell. Okay, this is this is interesting because if you look at his, like, production profile, it's horrible. The numbers and the analytics are yeah. bad. It was like the first note. I was like, analytics guys are going to overlook this. They're going to wrongly overlook this guy because of that. You got to so trust your eyes. <laughs> he is, yeah, he is the person to ask because I look at it, it's like, okay, TD rate, obviously, in the red zone, he's kind of the guy. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And yeah, he did have competition, obviously. Georgia going up against Bowers, going up against another receiver we'll talk about later on. Texas, he went up against Xavier. But I don't know. I mean, I know he's projected to go round one of the NFL draft. So that's going to at least give him some type of floor with the role that he's going to see immediately. So if like the film guys are willing to sign off on him, you kind of have to be excited. But you're a Georgia guy, right? I uh, yeah, I'm not like a diehard Georgia guy. My younger cousin goes there, uh-huh. so I've gone to the campus, gone to the game. So, you know, I've just kind of de facto became uh, a Georgia fan. Bandwagoner. But, but, I, but I'm like, <laughs> I came in, like, literally. My, I mean, my cousin got to go there for back-to-back championships, like sophomore, uh, junior year, and then senior year probably should have won again. But regardless, like, an unbelievable <laughs> three-, four-year stretch for her. It's fucking nonsense. But um, A.D. Mitchell's a guy that, yeah, I looked at the pr- production profile after the film, and I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a problem for a lot of people out here. A.D. Mitchell, another guy with size, and the tape is really what just yells at me here. Well, he's loose and he's fluid for a bigger body receiver, which a lot of guys that are his size and especially his weight have a lot of stiffness to him. Mm-hmm. And he's not. He's got really loose hips, like really quick feet, you know, those like piston feet. And his stop start ability, I mean, it's not Malik Neighbors, but there's a couple routes where he was like faking running a bender to draw the safety down in quarters. And then he just put the foot in the ground and go. And you're like, the ability for him to run cuts at full speed or to stop and start quickly. Like Malik is Malik and Marvin are the only two guys in this class that do it better than him. Yeah. And especially to do it at that size. I almost it's funny when I was watching AD, it made me not like yours as much because there was so much meat left on the bone that could have been there. I'm going to be if, honest. That's how I felt about almost every receiver. in this I know. Class. Like I, I watch him like Jane Daniels. All he does is really run all the time. Like all these guys. I'm like, I'm a little bit lower on all of them, but the receivers make them look so fucking good. <laughs> and it's funny. Like there's only a couple quarterbacks in this class or a few, three quarterbacks in this class that I feel really good about, but there's like 20 receivers. Right. But a lot of those receivers played with the other quarterbacks. They're pretty big names that I'm kind of like, eh, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, A.D. Mitchell's like um, 
the way I kind of comped him was like he's 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 big, right? He's got that long lean, but he's he's quick twitch again, which is something that you don't see in a ton of receivers. But there's so many of them in this class, and I think one of the reasons he's so great in the red zone, he becomes like their primary threat, is because he's so good at separating in tight spaces, right? There's not a lot of receivers that could do that. I also think a big thing with the production profile, like a lot of the uh, percentage, like shares of the team, uh, the, I think the reason that it was down so much is like a lot of their scheme, and I'm watching them, they have them run like a ton of go routes, and Ooh. they just open up the underneath, like it's a ton of dump offs to running backs, a ton of just like drags over the middle type of thing and it's like he gets shots but not frequently and I think that skews the numbers but when they take shots towards him he's so good at coming down with the ball his speed's going to be there and like I said to you he's he feels like a Terry McLaurin type who is really underrated and he's fast as hell but you don't think you don't think Terry and you're like speedster you're like great route runner who also has really good speed that's kind of the way I look at an AD Mitchell and I think he's going to go very very under the radar because most people especially in the dynasty space look uh you know stats and profile first and then they're like, ah, this is so bad that I don't really want to watch a film and kind of write it off. Or A.D. Mitchell's a guy I'm happily going above consensus on. So y'all are going to take him ahead of Brian Thomas Jr.? Because from what I can tell, it seems like Thomas is kind of becoming the consensus wide receiver four, or at least what I've seen. They're right there with each other, and I think it... If you're drafting before the NFL draft, I'm betting more on A.D. Mitchell. Okay. But, I mean, I'm talking barely. Like, yeah. it's wide receiver four, wide receiver five. But if after the draft, Brian Thomas Jr. goes to a better situation, like if Brian Thomas Jr., like, let's say the Chargers take Joe Alt at five and then they trade back in and they take Brian Thomas Jr. in the first round, like, I'm going to take him over. Well, Brian Thomas right? Jr., like, one of the – we'll just go right into him, too. I think a lot of these receivers will be in that discussion of, like, end of first, early second, where we saw the T. Higgins, the Michael Pittmans, where it's like, ah, why are they not having first-round draft capital? Then just become studs in the NFL because, like, we knew they were good NFL receivers. And that, I, that is something that we saw – we've seen in classes before. If the depth is so good at a position, you will see NFL teams decide, like, oh, maybe we can get Pittman in the early second. Maybe we can get exactly. Higgins in the early second, whereas in a different class – Maybe they would have been juiced up just because they look at the draft board later on and they go, okay, well, if we kind of miss out a wide receiver here in the mid first, there's not going to be someone in the mid second we're excited about. 100%. Let me ask you both this question, actually. If A.D. Mitchell or Brian Thomas Jr. go to the Chiefs in the first round and Marv goes to the Patriots, who are you taking first? It has to be Marv. It's still Marv. Yeah. Yeah. It's still Marv. Yeah. If situation dynasty, be damned. In di- I mean, redraft, like maybe a different discussion, but probably still not then. In dynasty, situations change so fluidly that they could have a new quarterback next year. They could have a rookie. They could have, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think drafting, especially that big of a talent delta based off a one-year thing is probably a mistake that I don't think many people will make, but I think it's worth probably having the discussion. I think you could make a more reasonable argument, like if Harrison goes to New England and Neighbors goes to Los Angeles. Yeah. Mm, then that, it's like... Then you're, then you're little, talking about it. Exactly, because yeah. then they're both... Is I view Brian Thomas Jr., I view Mitchell as essentially guys that, yeah, have pros and have positives on their profile. But in my mind, they're not neighbors. They're not Harrison, where they check every single box. Sure. And it would be a massive surprise if they weren't the guy at the next level. Yeah. Brian Thomas, like when I first watched him, I was like, man, if he goes to a strong arm quarterback, my first thought was have him be what people wanted Gabe Davis to be for oh, a long time. Yes. Because the first thing I noticed on film with Brian Thomas was like his strides. He's like a fucking lion. He's like a, 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 a gazelle, like the way he just eats up 10 yards at a time with like two or three steps. He gets downfield so fucking quickly. Also another quick twitch guy. You know what I mean? Like another guy that's like surprisingly fast around the line of scrimmage where I don't think he's ever going to be the one. I think there's like flaws in his game where he, I don't know if he'll ever be the alpha, but you put him with a Mahomes, with a Herbert, with an Allen. You can say that with a lot of wide receivers. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But I think his skill set in particular is like what the Chiefs have tried to do with MBS. It's what the Bills have tried to do with Gabe Davis. It's what Herbert and the Chargers have tried to do with, you know, somewhat successfully with Mike Williams. But whether it's Josh Palmer or Quentin Johnson last year, like that's where I feel like Brian Thomas will excel in an offense with a strong arm quarterback in a role where he's not the primary guy. My physical comp for BTJ, and I know the production comp is wildly different coming out of college. My physical comp was Christian Watson with better deep ball tracking ability. Ooh, okay. Big like body, that. 6'4", legit down the field speed. And Again, you loved Watson last year. I, I remember that. I heard two Watson, years ago. Yeah. right? And if he could stay healthy, like, he'd be great, yeah. right? Especially now that I know that Jordan loves good. Um, but, like, I think Brian Thomas Jr. Is, is a very similar physical profile. It's just he was in a better situation in college to show that, whereas Watson was in, like, a run-first North Dakota State team where it's like he didn't really get to show what he could do till the senior bowl, yeah, right? that's fair. Um, so he's a secondary piece on that team. Now, if we go back to Washington where Rome's the one, we also have Jalen Polk where I think he's going to go a little bit further down the draft boards, but he gives similar vibes where he can eat up chunks of the field. He's a bigger target again. I I, I find myself when I'm doing prospect uh, comps now, rather than trying to settle on like one guy, because I think that like pigeonholes you, is more going with like uh, an upper echelon comp, a mid comp, and then like a flop comp, where it's like, Mm. okay, he can end up being any of these three guys. So for Jalen Polk, it was like, don't see the crazy burst off the line of scrimmage, but I was like, his upper tier comp could be like a T Higgins, where he's good at kind of separating across the field if you give him enough time to get there and he'll make really tough contested catches down the field. But he could also end up being someone who just looks like he should be good at wide receiver because there are the flaws in his game. So Hulk, another dude that's huge, right? Like 6'3". Uh, I don't know if he's going to measure it because Washington could sometimes be a little okay. generous. He's, he's a fake 6'3". It, it, possibly, okay. but it's still, you know, 6 plus. Like, he's still a bigger body yeah, than a lot of not last year where it was like Josh Allen, Jaden Reed, all like five yeah, guys. Yeah, Tank Dell. Yeah, yeah, Tank Dell, right. I, I think the upper echelon for T is like, is exactly what you said, the upper echelon. Like, yeah. if everything goes right. 100% right. High end number two. Because it feels stupid to be like, his comp is T Higgins. It's like, it's not going to be T Higgins probably, but like, for this, for all intents and purposes, that's his style of play, I think, if he plays really, really well and translates from college into the NFL. You know what I think he actually will be? And I forgive me if this sounds like an insult. I'm Jacoby pissed. Myers. Ooh, okay. Like, you know, if you, for fantasy purposes, like, hey, we need to throw him in there. Or like a Tyler Boyd. Of I'm a like, fan of Jacoby. Yeah. Good player. Will he ever get like number one or number or high number two production? He'd have to be in the right spot. But like skill set wise, like I think Jacoby Myers has always been a better player than the numbers have shown. Sure. So I, I, you could sell me on that. And I mean, that would be a great hit. Like if an NFL team takes him third round, if you take a third round wide receiver and he turns out to be Jacoby Myers. <laughs> You're good. Pretty good pick. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like the majority of the receivers, the majority of any fucking NFL draft prospect is going to be at best to Jacoby Myers. So it's like yeah. it's fine to comp people to that. People get mad because they only see that upper echelon comp. Jacoby, I, I like that a lot. How's it going? Can we go back to Texas real quick? Yeah. Xavier? Xavier, let me know what you think of this comp, at least from a production profile perspective. Okay. This is who I see. Another Big 12 wide receiver. Great as a true freshman, 18 years old. Don't okay. say Marvin. Tails off. He looks like Marvin Mims to me. Okay. For the record, I, I was not a fan of Mims coming out. Speed-wise, though, it makes sense. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying how he looks on the field. I'm not saying if you turn on the tape. I'm saying if you just are looking at a spreadsheet, a little Google sheet that you mm-hmm. got, and you're going to do a 30-second side-by-side, comes out, we are all so excited after a true freshman year, and then nothing really happens. Obviously, Mitchell comes over two years later, and that is going to cap you a little bit what you can do as a true junior. But I, I don't know. It just 
seems like the last time we had a wide receiver that went through, dominated early on in his collegiate career, trailed off near the end, and turned out to be a phenomenal asset in Dynasty. It was the last guy, Juju, you know? Oh, man. Mm. So uh, how, how often are well, we seeing to, that profile? Well, yeah, more often than not, we see that profile with, like, Brian Edwards and those guys yeah. where it's like breakouts really young, but then they just never really improve. I got burned by Brian Edwards so A bad. lot of people <laughs> did. Like, I loved him. Yeah, and, and it's like most of the time it doesn't work out. It's like if you're not going to dominate at the college level, you know, you need to do it. Like, you're likely not going to do it at the NFL level. But I'll, I'll ask you, like, do you like if you're sitting there at the 2-1 Worthy or Mitchell? Because I think they're probably going to get similar draft capital, yeah. right? And they're probably going to be picked in – around the same spot in rookie drafts. Do you have a preference on one of them? I don't. I'm an idiot. If Brett's saying Mitchell, probably Lena Mitchell. But Love do you it. have, like, an explanation on why Worthy wouldn't have gotten any better and actually probably got worse from the time he was 18 years old? You know... Drinking problem. <laughs> well, there were, there are some guys in this class that apply, so I don't know if I can say it on camera. Um, I will say it felt like, and again, not to, like, completely dog on Quinn Ewers. Like, I, I think Quinn Ewers is fine. We didn't really get to see Worthy stretch his legs as much as he could have if he was in another system with a different quarterback. Well, I mean, yours would take deep shots. They would just want to be anywhere close <laughs> to where they were supposed it, to be. Right? Again, it's another one. Is, oh, you put Xavier Worthy in LSU. It's like he's probably eating, right? Yeah. So you put him with a guy who can who has really good deep ball placement. And I, I, I've seen people compare Worthy upper echelon comp to like a Deshaun Jackson. Sure. Catch four balls in a game, but they're going to go for 85 yards. To be fair, though, how many times does a Deshaun Jackson comp actually work out? Very rarely. That's like zero he, times, but it's exactly. used about four times a year. Exactly. <laughs> and that's like every once in a while you'll have like the comps that's like, hey, we're going to chase this outlier player. And I never see it work out. No. You know what my yeah. actual like more likely comp? Again, upper echelon Deshaun Jackson, realistic echelon Travis Benjamin. There you go. Which is yeah. fine. That's fine. fine. Emphasis on fine. You know, yes. on best ball, like Travis in Travis Benjamin's prime on best ball, best ball, he would have been like priority later round target because four four games a year he's going to win you the week. Yeah. You know, Trying and that's, that's what yeah. worthy's going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's it, that. That's when you start getting to that tier where you're like, okay, there are some serious flaws in this game. I kind of got to choose the guys that I like, guys that I really dislike. Um, I also don't. I don't want to overwhelm the audience because if it's your first time getting introduced to the rookie class, I think we're like eight wide receivers deep. You're not going to remember all 15 of them. So I will kind of wrap up here with allowing you guys the stage. If you have any prospects that you are mm. unreasonably high on that you think people should know about that should be in this like top five seven or eight range that we didn't discuss yet i'll give the florida mace for this i don't know if this should be like an exciting dynasty guy but in terms of the 20th round of underdog best ball drafts right now rip it if you are at the very bottom someone that's not getting drafted that i think could go day two of the nfl draft could find himself in a spot Lad. is johnny wilson oh okay. no, okay. lads lads going lad has we should speed. actually yeah you know what Johnny Wilson, and then after, let's jump into Lad. Yeah, because I did say I wanted to a little bit. Lad Coleman are two guys that are already oh, on the yeah, yeah, They're yeah. both going day two. Yeah, they're, they're early going day people are excited about. But if I'm having to dive deep, Johnny Wilson is somewhat interesting in that if you look, he was productive at Florida State. He played alongside Keon Coleman. He's definitely a much older prospect. And if you check out mock drafts, obviously, Brett would know significantly more than I do. But I do see a lot of people going through and trying to slide him into round three. 
And if he were to get that kind of capital, if your draft them as like wide receiver 80 on underdog, I think that is someone that could get steamed up just a bit and go from being someone that's not even drafted in 20 round drafts right now yeah. to eventually being someone going in round 12, 13, 14. Yeah, a guy that can maybe score like five touchdowns over the back half of the season yeah. or something like that. Johnny he, Wilson, what is he, like six foot seven? He's, he's 6'6", 240, which is why I think the biggest jump to his ADP is when he gets drafted and then converted to a tight end. Mm. And then okay, everybody's so going to everybody's gonna be like, Jimmy Graham. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yes, but no. <laughs> you know? so, so Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman both played at Florida State. Keon Coleman is like this 6'3", 215 athletic freak. Johnny Wilson is 6'6", 240. Uh, they, I mean, they use them around the line of scrimmage, but obviously a jump ball guy, huge body, huge frame. Keon Coleman's another dude where I think people are probably looking more at his like analytical profile now and a little bit more scared off. But throughout the season, as he's making these fucking unbelievable catches, you know, highlight reel, sports center, top 10 things, we're like, Keon Coleman might be the wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five in this class. And I still think, depending on his draft capital, he could be that he played a lot better at Michigan State before he transferred over had a tough year that's another one where I'm like kind of watching the film I don't love the way that he was used it was kind of like I don't know it was like almost like a boring it was like boring tape to watch because I don't feel like they used his athleticism in a good way my, my favorite Keon Coleman story I was talking to some of his teammates at the Shrine Bowl right okay. uh Ronaldo Green Jordan Travis his quarterback uh, uh Jerry and Jones a bunch of FSU kids there and so I asked them all about Keon right um and so he came in in the summer and uh Norvell their head coach Mike Norvell was having a cookout at his place invited Keon over None, nobody on the team had met Keon at this point and so he shows up in like a t-shirt and jeans and like vans and Norvell has a basketball court at his place and so a basketball game gets going and so Keon again in like fucking skinny jeans and vans starts windmill dunking over people like I I, I don't think he's gonna run fast but I have heard his vert is gonna be insane utterly absurd I mean you could see it on some of the fucking posts over the middle that he goes up yeah. and gets he's like one of the most pure athletes you'll ever come across but his numbers are a little bit iffy again same point with like the AD Mitchell where I felt like put a little context behind it and I think those numbers go a long way in explaining like why we see a little bit of a fall off like that do you have a comp for Keon Coleman because I don't think I really have a good one he's such a weird player upper echelon like this is best case scenario less refined Mike Evans for Keon Coleman, not yeah. Johnny Wilson. Oh, Johnny Wilson. No, uh, no, no, I'm talking about Oh, Keon. no, for Keon Coleman, yeah. Okay. Because similar kind of frame, jump ball ability, everything like that. But Mike was faster and eventually turned into a much better separator. I don't know if Keon, like, it's hard to say, oh, he's going to be a fucking Hall of Famer like yeah. Mike Evans. But that's the profile you're shooting for, right, is is that kind of 6'4", ball winner, like, put him on the backside, uh, you know, because a lot of teams are going to, run trips most of the time. So you're going to put your big body guy on the backside. It's going to be one-on-one. You say, go win. You trust him to go win. That's what they're hoping for. I'm not saying he's going to get there, yeah. but that's what they're shooting for. Got you. I have I have none. I do want to hear what you have to say about Lad, though. Because Lad, you can't really look at his production profile. He ran like nah. 146 routes yeah, last yeah. year. You know, so he's kind of like a black box in that respective. But I do know, like, film guys love him. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I will say, um, I don't, I don't, I think he's a really good route runner. I think he's super crafty, like knows how to use his fucking head, his body, all that kind of stuff. I think he gets bitched around as soon as he faces press coverage. If a team uses him in the slot, I think he'll be one of the nastiest route runners like in the NFL very, very quickly. But he was, I think a lot of people just look at him and they're like, you know, white guy, slot receiver. He ran like 75% of his routes on the outside. Yeah. And when they, uh, uh, you know, when they let him develop a route, it was awesome. But it was always like Brock Bowers ASAP every single play. He's 185. So it's, it's hard for guys that size to survive outside. Yeah. And again, he's so good at route running and he's so quick twitch uh, within like a 10 yard space. Like you, you want him operating inside. Yeah. 
anytime he got space, anytime, anytime they gave him like three yards of space, yes. it was like you're not covering him. And that's that's what you want him for, which is why I think my top end comp, upper echelon comp, is Emmanuel Sanders. Ooh, okay, I like that a lot. Where it's like there's some years where it's like, hey man, you're gonna get 95 catches for 1100 yards, and like eight or nine touchdowns, and that's great. Like you, there's gonna be some weeks where they feed him relentlessly as that slot receiver. And Emmanuel, I think, was better outside than than Lad was. Yeah. But like similar size, similar speed, similar quickness. The production profile is way different, obviously, but like that's what you're hoping for is, is getting that type of receiver. I love that comp because I, I went into the film thinking I was just going to walk away and be like, oh, it's Hunter Renfro again. You know what I mean? But yeah, not, it's easy not, to do Hunter Renfro. Yeah, not right? the same player. Emmanuel's such a good fucking comp. I like that a lot. If you want Hunter Renfro, by the way, Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops? He, he, knows, he knows all too well. Here's Drake a, Stoops. Here's the thing. I don't want Hunter Renfro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, I have to ask you this because I know we've had like the trained all video. It's like big body wide receiver, big body wide receiver. Is that still what NFL teams want? Because, I mean, if you look at the trend as of late, I don't know if it was just because the recent draft classes that we've had, but it has seemed like more and more these smaller wide receivers based off just how much leniency they are getting with defensive holding. Like, you don't have to win through contact nearly as much as you would, say, 10, 15 years ago. But, like, Tank Dell is the smallest wide receiver we've ever seen in the NFL to have this kind of success. You know, so is that, like, a trend that we are seeing and maybe these bigger-bodied guys aren't necessarily, like, what teams are going after? Or is it more so there just hasn't really been anybody they can? I think they still want them. I think they're just more open to the smaller guys. The meta is... You want a big body receiver, but you want one big body receiver because you want to build your receiving core like a basketball team. You Mm. want a variance of skill sets, right? Because if you only can do one thing, that means they only have to play one style of coverage against you. So, for instance, if you don't have any big body wide receivers, you know, if you're if you're running a bunch of guys that are like six foot max out there uh, and, and you're one guy that you could put outside isn't as good against press coverage. Guess what you're going to see? constantly you're gonna see either quarter quarter half so we're playing a cloud corner there it's gonna beat him up and then force him to to win vertically against a half field safety after getting hands on him or if their corners are good enough you're just gonna see like one rat or one cross all day you're gonna get bump and run all day long and if you don't have a guy that can beat that then you're kind of screwed they don't have to change anything that they're doing whereas say with tank dell you know, obviously Tank was was the smaller, shiftier, speedier guy. And but you still had Nico Collins out there who could beat that one on one. So you couldn't just play one thing against Houston because all of a sudden, if say you are just playing cloud to Nico all day, that means that you're leaving a whole bunch of wide open space elsewhere for Tank Dell to operate. So you, you want your receiving core to be Versus a collection sure. of different yeah. skill sets, which is why Keon's always going to have a home in the NFL and Lad's always going to have a home in the NFL. And to be honest, they should play on the same team together because they do different stuff. Yeah, I also think it's probably a testament to going back to like the theme of this draft class where it's like most of the previous draft class, the big body guys like weren't quick twitch. They weren't good separators where I think we're seeing like a kind of an abnormality of a class here where we have a combination of both. And it's going to be like really fun to see this class kind of play itself out so we will leave you at that i gotta jump in the pool because i am i'm like it's roasty in I'm, here. I'm dying in here right now my face probably looks like a tomato but make sure you are following brett make sure you are following mason i will link all their channels and their socials down below thank you guys for joining me in the jacuzzi can we get a flex can you no this is your show brett take us away i this channel will get shut down the moment <laughs> i do that love you can't post war crimes on youtube Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.